everyone. I am here with Val DeFibo. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Boss Ladies. I could not be more excited to have you and to chat with you today. Olivia, I'm really excited to be here. I've listened to some of the other recordings that you've done, and I'm so honored to be in the company of such great boss ladies. So thank you for doing this. This is Boss Ladies. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and and your career journey that led to your role as CEO of Deutsch? I uh, was the first one in my family actually to go to college. And um, while that sounds like it was just, oh, she's going to college, I was also the first one in my family to ever kind of leave home. And so it was a big deal when I left. It was kind of like, where is she going? What is she doing? And I went to Williams College pre-med. And I came out a psychology major, which, you know, to my family who um, saw me off going to have this career in medicine, they were so excited for me. And when I said I wanted to major in psychology, they were kind of like, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with a psych major? I'll be a psychologist. And I said, no, I'm not. And so anyway, in college, I, I took some courses about brain and behavior and the way people make decisions and the kinds of things that influence people's brain waves, but also convinces them to change their minds about things. And I took a couple of courses like that about advertising and brand building. And I thought, this is a great way to use my psychology degree, trying to understand human behavior, the way people think, patterns, sociology, just just thinking about the way people are and how to get them to think slightly differently or ingest new information. And so I thought it made total sense to go into advertising. (laughs) Not everybody did, but I thought so. I was really excited. I, when I left college, I got a job, uh, not right away, but in a media department. And that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be uh, in, in a, in a strategy capacity, or I wanted to think a little bit more about the account role But um, that was where there was an opening. So I thought, let me just take it. Let me get in there. And I spent about three years in the media department. And it was really amazing. It was such a great bedrock for me. I learned about how to place messages, where people um, go for information. And, you know, then there weren't as many channels available as there are now. So it it was an interesting bedrock for me. I understood what it meant to reach people, how many times you had to reach people for them to really take in a message and change their behavior. So that was really fantastic. And then the business I was working on had an opportunity to move into account management on the same piece of business. And so I did that. And uh, I did that for a couple of years. And then in 1992, during actually the election time, I got a call asking if I wanted to work at this really small agency called Deutsch. And I had come from a big agency, probably six or 700 people. It was called Wells Rich Green at the time. It was one of the first agencies that was actually founded and run by a woman, Mary Wells. Amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I wanted to work there because I was like, oh, a woman is running this business. Let's see what it's like to work for uh, a woman at the helm. And I love But anyway, so I got this call to work for this agency called Deutsch, which was uh, small, very small compared to like 40 or 50 people compared to six or 700. And I thought this could be interesting. And I and I interviewed with probably six or seven people um, at Deutsch and they were some of the smartest people I 
ever met in my life. Just, I spent probably from five o'clock at night till 11 PM interviewing actually. And I met Donnie, um, Cheryl Green, all of these iconic figures in, uh, in the industry. And I thought, well, if they offer me this job, I'm taking it because it's a risk, but it's a a, measured risk. Because I thought, well, I could always go back and do what I was doing before. I was working on Procter & Gamble. I was learning so much. And and so I thought, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll just kind of figure out what to do next. And it was amazing. I, I, I went to this place where I was able to help shape the culture, help shape our product. Donnie's vision was to uh, study the marketplace and get quick results and to be competitive and make sure that you're, you were always building the client's business. And it was so interesting because you had, to, you had to learn the business and then you had to make sure that you were making a difference. And so I just love that. And I think part of what, what helped me accelerate in my career was that I was always raising my hand and I was always curious. I always wanted more to do. And and I thought, well, I, I have time. I can I can learn that or I can make this happen. And so I guess I I went from being sort of the head of six pieces of business to then being head of account management, general manager, president, and then CEO. And and each time I was already doing the job before I got the title. And so it was kind of a no-brainer. I'll say that sort of in a weird way. It was a no-brainer from someone who just thought logically about it. But in a business where not many women were CEOs or presidents of their companies, when I was promoted into those positions, it wasn't a no-brainer. So, you know, Donnie was way ahead of his time, not just with me, but with the other women that I worked with, really giving us an opportunity to to be in those leadership roles in in those leadership positions. I love that and paving the way for, you know, future women in in advertising to see that and to, you know, feel represented. That's so exciting and very cool. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. A lot of women, not when I interview them and, and not when other people interview them, but sometimes after we have an employee for a while, I'll be talking to them at, uh, you know, we have we have these um, new hire orientations where I have wine and cheese with people or we have breakfast and all. And I talk to people, I say, so what do you like about, about being here? And they'll say, I came here because there is a real presence, a real women leadership presence here. And it's funny because they don't say that to you in an interview, but you know, it was in the, I don't know, the back or the front of their mind when they were making the decision to come. And it, and it always makes me feel good to know that, um, that they see that as a point of difference. Yeah, I love that. And, and, you know, I, I've heard that your leadership style is all about positivity and practicing positivity, leading with positivity. Can you tell us a little bit about how you, how you think about that and then how you actually, you know, action it in practice? My big thing is help me, enable me to say yes, right? I'd like to say yes. I used to have a big neon sign when we were working in an office. I had a big neon sign behind my head that said, yes. (laughs) I love that. It was great. I, I hope I can send you a picture of it. It was really great. It was Please gigantic. Do. Just gigantic. <laughs> you can see it from the front door, actually, from the reception area. And yeah. um, what I what I love about it is, while the onus was on me to say yes, ultimately, mm-hmm. I really thought it was the responsibility of the people who were coming in to ask for things to prove to me that they deserved a yes. And so you couldn't just get a yes if you didn't do your homework or you hadn't weighed options, 
you hadn't thought about the risk because those are the questions I'm going to ask you. And if you can't answer them, you don't get a yes. But I want to be able to say yes. And so I think people coming in knowing that I had the predisposition to say yes and to want to say yes, help people come in really prepared. And sometimes I would say, no, I, I don't. I don't know enough yet, or you haven't thought this through enough yet. And they would get back on my calendar and be like, I thought about what you said and, and, and you're going to say yes this time. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. It's really great. So I love not only people having all the answers, but understanding the risks because failure is part of it, right? You can do some things and fail. And at the end of the day, I have some ownership in that because I've, I've said, yes, you can go do that thing. But I want people to know that they have the flexibility and the power to fail and try again. And the, the sticky part comes when I don't feel comfortable about failing on my client's behalf, on, on our client's behalf. And so if I see sort of a danger sign, I like to say, we're not going there. And, and I'll take accountability for that. I won't let them take the fall if, if I've approved something like that. So... How do you know when to decide whether to let someone fail versus whether to, like, how do you make that decision? Well, sometimes things are not the way you would do them, right? And so, and so what's been a learning experience for me as a type A control freak kind of person, you know? I feel you. <laughs> it's like, as you, one of the things that I'm sure a lot of your boss ladies have told you is, as you graduate from being the person who does the work to the person who's accountable for the work, but obviously can't do it all, you have to trust people. You have to let them do it their way. And you have to trust that their way is a good way as well. And so sometimes you, when you think about their way, you think that's not going to work. They're going to fail. And a lot of times they actually prove to you that, no, it's just not your way. I, I find that sort of freeing that that I've been able to sort of open up and let people do things their way. And you don't I don't see people failing a lot, but when they do, they're usually not epic fails. They're usually like, Ugh, I didn't expect this and this happened. And you know, my whole thing is making decisions is tough. But if you make a decision knowing that when you get new information, you can make another decision, then that's freeing, right? That's that helps you sort of move ahead. You can't just you know, kind of stick to the same decision you made, even though you're getting information that that thing's not working for you. So it's a learning, it's a learning experience all around. But I check in with folks when I, when they're doing things that are a little, not the way I would do them or a little, what I think is risky, just to make sure they're on track to getting to success. And so it feels good when they get there though, for them and for me. Yeah. No, I think everything you've said is super, super important. And any managers or future managers, anyone listening, I mean, it's hard when you see someone doing something differently to to know that it's okay to let them do it differently than maybe you would do it. And like you said, you you only have so many hours in the day. So if you're trying to do everyone else's job, like you're never going to be able to get anything done. And also the more you become responsible for, the more you realize my hands can't be on everything. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it becomes all the more important to know that the talent that you're hiring, the people that you're hiring are trustworthy, are smart, are working with other people to challenge their thinking. And so the, the people that you hire, you know, Donnie always used to say, I always hire people who are smarter than I am. And so I, I say that too. I, 
you know what? I, I oversee our, our tech and AI divisions. Mm-hmm. I, I don't pretend to know what they do, but I have <laughs> the questions to ask them and, and they know what they're doing and, and they do some great stuff. They, they, they make great things. They think great things. They, they go out and talk to the world about the great stuff that they're doing. And I'm really proud of them, but I don't micromanage them. I can't. Right. Yeah. And also that, I mean, no one, I've had a micromanager before. It's, it's horrible. It's so unmotivating because you're just like, well, you're going to tell me what to do and how to do it exactly how you want it anyway. So like, why am I even going to try and do it differently? And, and that sort of, you know, opposite of power of yes, it's like stepping on creativity. Right. And how are you learning? Right. So I always like to ask people when they say, how should I do this? And, and again, another thing that, that I learned from my boss, Donnie, I would go in and say, I have this, I have this issue, right? And I'm not sure what I'm going to do about it. And he would say, okay, what are the three ways that you thought about doing it? Why don't you tell me the three ways or two, whatever it is, and then let's talk them through. And I would, I would tell him my three ways and he'd say, which one are you leaning to? And I'd say, you know, number one. And he'd say, yeah, right. And, and if that's what your gut is telling you, that's what you should do. But he more was there for support and for poking holes at things that I was unsure about than to tell me how to do it. And so that felt, you actually felt so great about, I learned something, I'm using what I learned. I came up with a solution myself or with my team and I'm presenting it. It's empowering. And, and, I, and I hope that that's, that's what I ask my folks, right? How do you want to do this? What's the way that you want to tackle this? Might not be the way I would do it, but Let's see if it works and then we'll do it again. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And how have you, you know, obviously we've all had to adapt this last year, year and a half now at this point, almost to working from home and to, you know, collaborating, communicating differently. How have you kept that power of yes and positive atmosphere as, as you've shifted to a remote setting? We have a very strong culture at Deutsch, which is uh, really great. And I think part of what, we did there, we've continued to do from home. So we have, we have a huddle every Monday morning. And in that huddle, you know, it used to be in person, I would update the agency. And and I'll tell you an important story about this. Actually, a few years ago, we said, how can we be better leaders of this agency? And we had all of our top leaders in a meeting, um, having this conversation, how can the leadership team be better leaders? And they said, we need to know more about what's happening at the agency. And I said, well, I sent out emails and stuff like what? And they said, no, like, what if we did like a, you know, like some kind of agency town hall every, every week or something. And I was like, whoa, that's going to be take forever, you know, but, and then someone else said, why don't we do like huddle? So literally like 15 minutes, every Monday morning, we get together and Val, you update us. And then if anyone else has stuff they want to, you know, throw in there, they'll do it. And it, it, it's amazing. We have 100% attendance at these meetings, even remotely, even while we've been home. All summer long, people dialing in 10 o'clock Monday morning. And I tell them, you know, sometimes I tell them, you know, what's happening at the agency with new business or with current clients or with brands that are out there that we think are interesting. And then we have a creative update, a digital update, whatever, whatever happens, whatever people want to talk about, new hires. And that's been one way to ground the whole organization every week. And then every Friday, 
before the weekend starts. I've only I've only done it once on Saturday, but I don't, usually every Friday, I send out an email that um, to the whole agency saying, "This is what happened this week. This is what we're looking forward to next week." And you know, hope you all have a great weekend. Thanks for working so hard. And in between all of that, we do game nights and scavenger hunts, and we have a high intensity fitness class. We have yoga and meditation and cooking classes and, uh, and coffee clatch, which was a time when people could just get together and talk about whatever's on their mind. And sometimes we talk about what will sustainability look like when we get back and how have we grown in that area? Or we'll just talk about somebody was in a play last week on a virtual play. And it really fosters an environment where people collaborate and want to be with each other. And there's a positivity and optimism about that. And so while yet I like to say yes, what I've noticed is that that yes culture, the, the, the being together and being able to tackle things together has really permeated our work from home environment as well. So it's been really, I think it's been remarkably productive and efficient. Although I will say I'm really looking forward to seeing everyone. <laughs> yeah, I definitely relate to that. But it sounds amazing. I mean, it sounds like you, you know, by opening these different, you know, communication channels and just being really transparent with everyone, it's really created more in- excitement and enthusiasm around where you're where you're going and what the vision is. So I think that's really cool. I do want to jump topics a bit and talk a little bit about what it's like you know, being in a very corporate leadership role, but also in a really creative and exciting industry. I mean, what's that like? I imagine it's it's really fun, but also can be challenging at times. You know, can you can you talk us talk to us a little bit about that? It's interesting because our I wouldn't I don't classify what we do as 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 corporate or bureaucratic at all. It is a very creative industry. And so we are we're constantly trying to figure out how are we going to move business? How are we going to innovate so that our clients get the most fresh and and interesting and relevant and motivating ideas uh, to move the the target to do something about their brand, right? And so I find that interesting and, and, and motivating and inspiring every single day. The part of my job that's more sort of I don't even know if I call it corporate, but you know, I, I report to a holding company. And so I'm accountable for a P&L every quarter. And I, I have to make sure that we are running a fiscally solid, thriving company. And so sometimes those two things can be at odds because you want to spend all the money you can to do the, to do the best work that you can. And then on this side, you have someone saying, well, don't spend all the money spend the money you need to spend, right? And so, um, but when you've been doing it a long time and you have great smart people working alongside you um, that look at structure and look at how to deliver resourcing efficiently, I think it, it works. It works fine. I'll say, you know, as a woman in a position like that for a long time, it wasn't always easy to be taken seriously by other people who ran companies who were traditionally male in those same roles, you know? Um, so that's been, and, and especially because not all women, but me, I have a, a little bit of a different style um, in managing my people. I have a lot of empathy. I always believe that 
if you give people the time to do the things they need to do, take their children to the doctor, go to the dentist, go to a soccer game or a baseball game or the theater or whatever it is with their families, that they will work twice as hard for you because they know that you care about what's important to them. And not, you know, that's not always popular. That wasn't always popular. I think it's a little bit more popular now. Um, it used to be kind of, if your face wasn't at work, then, you know, were you really dedicated? And my thing was, if you were doing your job, then go do what you got to do. And I trust you to come back and be able to do what you've got to do for your office mates. And it also, I think it, it fostered a culture of people um, having each other's backs, not in an abusive way, but in a way of like, oh, okay, you're taking, you've got to go to the dentist or you're, you have a doctor's appointment and I'm going to take my kid to first day of kindergarten tomorrow. And people would get each other's backs and, and they would know that someone had theirs if they needed to do something. And that kind of trust in your own sort of group and that kind of collaboration really I think leads to a great, a great culture because you, you all know you don't abuse it, but you do what you got to do and you do your work. Yeah. Honestly, very forward thinking because I feel like now, you know, it's even more important to trust everyone. So I think that's awesome. Now we've learned sort of by fire that, that, um, flexibility, organizational flexibility. So that's, that's not such a crazy idea anymore, right? Now, everybody Working from home has taught us a whole bunch of things about travel, uh, in-person meetings, about you know how to structure your day, how to have flexibility around people's uh, need for care at home, whether it's for aging parents or their children or their pets. You know, um, so there is a there's a whole new there's a brave new world out there <laughs> we're all facing you know right now yeah. right now. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience? I mean, really growing and having all of these different roles within the company. I feel like right now I see so many people jump around or they stay at one job for a year and one job for two years and they just are always bouncing around. And you've had such an amazing career where you've really worked your way up. And, and can you share what that's been like and you know any strategies for people looking to just continue to grow where they are right now? Well, you know, for me, I have... I have, and I've always had great faith in the Deutsch brand, right? Brands mean a lot to me. And the Deutsch brand has a definite um, feeling to it. It has values that are different than other agencies. And so, you know, we're a little bit scrappy. We're very forthcoming. You know, I tell it like it is, and I expect people to tell me like it is. And, um, and there's a lot of transparency and a lot of sort of street fighter in us. And I always loved that about the brand. And so I, I felt loyal to the brand and, and building not only the infrastructure to deliver what we needed to deliver for client, for clients, but also for the talent that we brought in to bring in people who lived by sort of the code that, that we lived by. I've always felt I've, I've had fun working at Deutsch. I love the clients that we've worked with. I've loved the leadership. So from, I never really thought about sort of jumping ship just to go someplace else. And now, you know, what I what I think is the payoff for someone, I've been at Deutsch for 28 years. It'll be, I think it's 29 this year. But anyway, it, the payoff for someone like me is I, I look at things, I'm not in a job for two years. And so I don't look at my P&L or my business and say, 
if I can make this happen in two years, I'm going to make a boatload of money and then I can go somewhere else. That's not how I approach my career. It's not how I approach the business. It's not how I approach the agency. For me, this is about sustaining, growing a thriving brand over the long haul. And so I, I look down the road and say, this is not just good for two years. Sure, it's good for two years. But what's beyond that? And what's beyond that? And what's beyond that? And so I think having sort of a longer view on, on what will this brand be? How, how will it help other brands sort of self-actualize, if you let me use the psych term? That has, has helped me not only stay at the company, but feel like my growth at the company is actually a good thing, not only for the company, but for me as well. So many people have changed out over the years, but I think the, the core is getting people who understand the values of the company and being all in, you know, at least for a certain amount of time. You know, we have, um, we have employees that we call boomerangers. So there are people who have left Deutsch and done something else for a little while, sometimes, sometimes a year, sometimes five years, and they've come back. And they say, I just loved it here, but I felt like I needed to learn something else. And the great benefit of that is they know how to work within our organization, but they've gone off and learned something new and they brought it back to their friends and their clients. And so it's a great, um, we have a lot of boomerangs and we have a bunch of people who have been here a long time. There's a lot of, there's a lot of loyalty to the brand and, um, and to the company. So my last question for you, because I always love to end on a positive note, is what do you feel is one of your greatest accomplishments? Well, one of my greatest accomplishments is the thing we haven't talked at all about yet, which is my son is being a mom. (laughs) Uh, Because I had a child very sort of late in my career. My my son is 16 years old. And uh, having him, I think I was the president of Deutsch by the time I had him. And so in a lot of ways that was good, but in a lot of ways that was really demanding. I was the president of this agency and now I I was having a child. And um, being able to run a company and and be accountable to clients and be accountable to my staff, but also I wanted to be a mom who was present. I wanted to be a mom who showed up for, you know, when when your son's talking about Louisiana and says we have to make binets the night before. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know how to make a binet, but you figure it out and you, yeah. and you show up and, um, and being there for him to help him with his homework. And it's definitely been a juggling act, but I will, but when you look at a, at a youngster who takes your values and the things that you believe in hard work, being loyal, you know, having a sense of humor, all those things, when you see them in a person that you've raised, it's really very rewarding. And in a lot of ways, it mirrors the relationship I have with the employees at Deutsch. I feel very maternal, very nurturing to a lot of the young people who have come through the agency for many years. And I don't say that in a, in a mommy way. I say it in a um, sort of I, I want to be sure that you are growing and thriving. And so the things that you give the employees of a company are very different than when you get into your own children, but that attention and, and the way that they need you to listen to them and understand that each of them are different is I think really important. And it's one of the things that helped me be a good mom is to, to listen. So I would say that's my greatest accomplishment being, 
I love it. And that is the perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you and I can't wait to see it. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Boss Ladies. Check back next week for a new episode. Visit us at www.bossladiespodcast.com for more information about the show or follow us at Boss Ladies Podcast on Instagram. Rate, like, and follow the show on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Mm-hmm.